Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. We don't want you to stop it. We want you to keep it going. Good Wednesday morning, and it certainly is in the Mile High City. What a win for the Denver Nuggets. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, we're in New York City where the sun is yet to come up. If you're watching us on ESPN News right now, it's a little dark here in lower Manhattan, but it's going to be a bright and sunny day in the NBA. we got another Game 7 coming up tonight, fellas. So the first thing I want to get to before we kind of get to your thoughts on watching the game, just think about this for a second. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and all of our guests appear via the Shell Pennzoil performance line, including the great Doris Burke, DB at 810 a.m. Eastern to talk hoops, but I want to talk hoops with the fellas. We saw Lillard go off, Jay, for 61 in the bubble. Mm-hmm. We saw the Raptors score 150 points in a playoff game, including 100 coming from their bench. We saw your guy, Jamal Murray, go for 33 in the second half of a playoff game last week. So it's been an offensive bubble. It's an offensive league. And suddenly we get the lowest scoring playoff game in six years, 80-78, when it counted the most. What do you make of the yin to yang to getting all these points and then scratching to try to get 80? Very similar to March Madness for the NBA bubble right now. Survive and advance. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Survive and advance. It, it was an ugly game last night. Um, the, the last possession, last couple of possessions, I felt like I was watching a fifth or sixth grade team uh, Donovan Mitchell turns the ball over. Then Jamal Murray pushes the ball, even though they have a two-point lead, and passes the ball up on a fast break instead of pulling the ball out. Torrey Craig misses a layup. Then all of a sudden, Mike Conley gets the ball back off a rebound from Rudy Gobert. Doesn't see Donovan Mitchell, who's wide open, who, of course, you want Donovan Mitchell to take that shot uh, as a Utah Jazz fan. Conley shoots the ball. The ball rolls around the rim. Just uh, I, I was in a... I was in a case of emotion last night watching that last final couple of possessions, Key. I think when you, like you were saying, it's almost like March Madness to a degree. When you look at the situation, they they, they haven't been in this position before, and they're just trying to survive. So that clock in your head, is, it speeds up. You, you go almost go into like a panic mode when you have plenty of time to pass the ball and do other things with it, but – you go into panic and sometimes pressure brush the pipe. We me, both felt yeah. that we saw two superheroes take their capes off or take off the, the cloth over their head, right? Like they, they were human last night. They weren't superheroes last night. They were human. And I, I think seeing that and, and watching that battle, them fight through not having those superpowers to enhance their play really made it seem more substance and value worth. Think about six games, though, of that. Right. You, 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 you use up all that energy and that stress over six games. Everything that's gone on from leaving the bubble, not leaving the bubble, but basically boycotting, right. then trying to figure out where the season is going to go, you know, uh, playing your hearts out, coming back from 3 1. By the time you get to the seventh game, you have no legs. I mean, they was missing easy layups at the cup. You tell me, you're a basketball player, is that legs? That's all legs. That's finish. You got to finish. Easy jumpers that you may have hit in game five, three, four, five is difficult to hit in seven because it just it's heavy on you. And, Key, the best part about the whole game for me was the post-game presser where Jamal Murray was talking to Scott Van Pelt. And Scott Van Pelt alluded to, hey, quick turnaround. You guys play the Clippers on Thursday. And he was like, wait, you, you mean tomorrow? <laughs> like his face. He was like, hold on a second. You mean tomorrow? Like that, that. Like he, he couldn't even fathom that you had one day off 
after having that mental exhaustion of the games that he just had with Donovan Mitchell that now you have to turn around and face a team that has a whole bunch of dogs defensively to throw at him. You, you know how it is. Maybe not playing sports, Z, but doing Sports Center and all the different things you have to do when you got to type and get to your papers and, and you forget about certain things. That's, right. that's what was going on last night. When he, when he sat up there and he talked to Van Pelt, he's like, he's thinking, I got out of here alive. Now, <laughs> surviving advance. I'm going exactly. to play again next week. And it's like, okay, so I'm going to lay down. I'm going to get five hours of sleep. I'm going to have to wake up for meetings the next day. Then I'm going to have to get prepared to play a game on Thursday. We're going to hear from Jamal Murray with Scott Van Pelt on one other thing coming up in just a second, but a couple points of context. The Jazz were up three games to one, as Key mentioned. They were also up 15 points in game five. You're up 3-1, up 15 points in a potential closeout game, and you lose the series. And Jay, before we hear with Jamal from SVP last night on his television program, I want to mention this to you because you got to take me inside the mind of a basketball player. When Mike Conley took that shot, that was to win the game and to potentially win the series. series. That's a game seven rim rattler. Just take me inside what that's like as a player. As a fan, we get it, right? All the marbles right here. But that's to win the game, win the series, and advance. So there, there are two, two forms of thought here. Number one, obviously, when you're a player in that reaction, you catch the ball five or six seconds left to go. As a point guard, you know, look, he has the confidence. Mike Conley has confidence. He's going to want to take that shot. As a fan watching the game, though, the other form of thought is that in that moment, as a point guard, you know, there's this old saying in basketball, play fast, think slow. That's what you're supposed to do as a point guard. So as a fan watching the game, seeing Donovan Mitchell at the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, seeing him with his arms wide up saying, I'm wide open, knowing the shots that Donovan Mitchell has taken in these series and the shots that he has made, being a prolific scorer, I, I feel for Mike Conley because I know in a, as a player you rush and you have to get that shot up. But damn, as a fan, you wish that Mike Conley played fast and thought slow and just kicked that ball ahead to Jamal Murray. He caught the ball with, I mean, he caught the ball with 3.6 seconds left. I mean, you don't need to take a dribble, Jamal Murray. I mean, he's right there. You wish that Donovan Mitchell would have taken that last shot. That you a, wish. Is that a long pass, though? I mean, from one side of the court to the next. Is but that, see, is that, is that going to get over there with the time on the clock? Look, it. it it would have been really, really tight. Oh. It would have been really, really tight. But one of the things that you love about when you think about big-time point guards, like, and I throw LeBron James in the big-time point guard scheme, okay, or Jason Kidd um, or Luka, you know where the pass is going to go before the ball even receives to you, yeah, even I, comes to yeah, you. Because you have vision of the floor. Exactly. So sometimes as a guard, I'm already looking up, seeing where Donovan Mitchell is going to be on the court as I'm running up the court. So – so, Would have been tight, yes, but at the same time, he probably could have got it off. I though. want the ball in the hands of Donovan Mitchell at the end of a game. As I, I just do. As I'm do. looking at the highlight, he catches it with about three o to go. So he probably could have gotten it Catch over there. Quick zip. Donovan Mitchell maybe have one second to shoot. Maybe here's the thing: it's right in that sweet spot. It's tough. But But like I said, when you in that situation like that, and that clock is going like you just it's it's a panic and it happens in football a lot too at the end of games mm. where guys are like get out of bounds get out of bounds slide 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 the clock is in your head and it's like I've got to put myself in a situation many times and I'm sure they practice situational basketball right I'm sure yes. that they're they're practicing situational things but it 
until it actually happens, Key, I got it's it, rough. It, I'm with you. And it, look, today's hump day is a tough day. I was up late last night watching the game, but I just got re-energized right now. Watching that highlight, he takes two dribbles. He catches the ball, one dribble, another dribble. Now, he got a great look. He got a great look. But imagine if you don't take two dribbles. You catch, ball goes into your hands, you kick ahead to Donovan Mitchell. It's a three with Mason Plumley closing out. You played the position. I didn't. I was like a failed shooter. But <laughs> don't you have to gather yourself, though? That dribble allows you to gather your like – they pass it to him. You have to gather yourself to be able to, to, to pass it to Donovan Mitchell, right? But see, if I'm running up the left-hand side, as I look up, if I'm looking for Donovan Mitchell and I see Rudy Gobert with my hands up, it's, you could say that, yeah, but I've also seen a lot of players catch – I've seen LeBron James do this. Now, granted, catch it's is LeBron bang. James. Chest pass. Right? But catch, and as soon as you catch one, one step as you're in your stride, boom, deliver that thing on the string. Deliver that thing on the string. Now, I, look, he, he's making $34.5 million. I, I, I have confidence in him taking that shot. But at the same time, I may have more confidence in Donovan Mitchell taking that shot, especially to win a game and to win game seven. No doubt. Game seven. That's what it's all about. We'll get another game seven tonight when we got the Thunder and the Rockets. It's tough. I know. I know it's tough. I know he caught the ball with like 3.2 seconds left. You, As a fan, ask yourself this. As a fan, you're going to be okay with him taking a shot, but as a fan, would you rather have Mike Conley take that shot or would you rather have Donovan Mitchell take that could shot? He get, could he have gathered himself a little more? Because it almost like he felt like he was rushed instead of setting in releasing. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could have gathered himself. I mean, he, he could have gone kinda, straight up and straight he down. He kind of leaned into it. He leaned it, into like it. pushed it well, almost. But you know how it is, Key. Like, with that clock ticking down oh, in yeah, your head. Clock. Four, three. <laughs> I like, see some stuff, boy. That's what I'm saying. It, it's, it's easier said than done, and only the greats can do this. The line is incredible. Play fast. Think slow. Harder to do. Than it looks. The other game, 7, 9 p.m. Eastern tonight on ESPN. Bottom line, it's okay to be early. You'll be criticized forever if you're late, right? So that's the bottom line. Man, we got so much more NBA talk on the way. Doris Burke, I mentioned at 8, 10 a.m. Eastern. And then the Chuckster himself, Charles Barkley, oh, yeah. joins Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin this morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. That will be fun for sure. Still to come, can the Raptors do what they did last year? Fall down 2-0? rally to win a series, and rally to win the whole thing, Do they have Kawhi? They do not. Pascal Siakam Hmm. has been a no-show since the bubble started. A lot of people are wondering what's going on with him and what's going on with the Celtics. Are we not talking enough about that? Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Let's roll from A to Z, brought to you by Redbox. Redbox is something for everyone, along with a new comedy that can't be missed. Rent the King of Staten Island, starring Pete Davidson and directed by Judd Apatow. Visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Let's start in the National Football League. The Saints running back Alvin Kamara returning to practice key on Wednesday that, according to our Jeremy Fowler, he wants a long-term contract extension if you're watching him rip through the competition on ESPN News. They say a long-term deal is close, Key. And, and it should be. He, he, you know, obviously the conversation went as such that he came back to camp because they knew the importance of having him in the offense. He's a very important part of what they do in both the run game and the pass game. The Saints could not get anywhere near the playoffs if he wasn't on the field. The Saints will open with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Adam Schefter with more on this story at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time. The NFL's best insider will be here. Tennis, Serena winning at the first round of the U.S. Open with the victory. She broke a tie with Chrissy Everett, our Chrissy Everett, for the most U.S. Open wins by a woman in the Open era as she searches for that elusive next Grand Slam that would put her right there with the great Margaret Court. So a win for Serena. I I think she gets it this year. No fans, no pressure. It's just like she could just play. No question about it. And we saw Coco Gauff lose, but uh, the elder statesman of American tennis moving on. Yeah, Venus Williams lost in the first round. I think first time in her career that she's lost in the first round. So we got Coco out, we got Venus out, but Serena, no surprise, is moving on. And lastly, the defending champions are in a familiar spot. We're just about to get into the Raptors and the Celtics here in a second. The champs minus Kawhi, obviously, down 2-0 after Boston wins on Tuesday. Marcus Smart had five triples in the fourth. Who just says he's a stalwart defender? He can make it happen when they need to. Celtics 102-99. The other Eastern Conference semifinal series will resume tonight on ESPN. Heat in the Bucks with Miami, as you know, up one game to none. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, followed by Game 7, Rockets Thunder at 9 p.m. Eastern. Hoophead settle in for a big night on ESPN. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We're back inside the South Street Seaport Studio. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, Zubin Mahenti with you. Straight up, Jay, bottom line. Pascal Siakam won the NBA's Most Improved Player Award. He was actually playing so well the next year, there was some talk that he could win it again. Nobody's actually won that award two years in a row, but it just goes to show where his game was headed. Now, everything kind of runs through him, and since they've gotten to the bubble, Nick Nurse has kind of said it himself, Pascal Siakam has not been the same player, and as a result, the Boston Celtics, who have one more championship than Keys Lakers, look like they might be halfway home easy to the Eastern Conference Finals, a place this franchise has been many, many times before. It's simple. Pascal Siakam is not Kawhi Leonard. And Pascal Siakam is incredibly talented. But when you watch Kawhi Leonard play, everything looks poised. Everything looks composed. His posture on the court, the way he goes up and down. When I, when I watch Pascal Siakam play, especially now in the playoffs, it just seems like he's constantly rushed. He's playing faster. He's playing at a really fast speed that doesn't look composed. And now, granted, Jalen Brown is his primary defender, and Jalen Brown, I think, is one of the best two-way players in the NBA. And if you're asking me, 
who am I taking, Jalen Brown or Pascal Siakam? I'm taking Jalen Brown because I think he always plays under control. I think he's best on both ends. But Pascal Siakam just doesn't seem like he has that smoothness that it still seems very rugged. It seems like a, a rough surface. And he hasn't had the pressure of him being the guy on this stage yet. And we're watching how it affects you ultimately. Now, granted, Toronto's not making shots. They're not playing well defensively. But Boston just looks like a team that's poised to get to the Eastern Conference and, Finals. And Boston makes them play that way, though. I mean, it's it's Boston putting the pressure on Toronto. Much like you said, it seems like See, Occam's game is, is is rushed, but that's because the way Boston style of play. I but mean, key, when, but key, Pascal, he was playing that way against Brooklyn. I mean, he only had one game where he shot over 43% from the field. Only one game. So it just doesn't look like he has the poise to be that dominant player in the playoffs. And maybe he's just having a bad run. I'm not saying he can't do it. But ultimately, if we expected him to be like a Kawhi Leonard from last year, I'm not saying it's, you can't be Kawhi Leonard. But you still have to live up to expectations, especially if people are talking about Toronto being a team getting to the NBA Finals. Well, I, I think we got ahead of ourselves in terms of Toronto getting to the NBA Finals, right? We we obviously figured that they would probably meet up with Milwaukee again, but, na- again, but now Miami's up 1-0 on them. But when you look at Toronto, again, like I was saying, you play to the tempo of your opponent. Now, whether it was Brooklyn or whether it's Boston and not just him – feeling like it's rushed, the entire team feels like they're being rushed. Much like you said, they're rushing shots, they're missing shots, they're not playing great defense. That, that So the pressure is being put on them by the Celtics. I want to ask you guys one thing I'm going to ask Charles Barkley when he comes on this morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. And yes, Charles Barkley making his first of hopefully many appearances with us on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. And this is one thing that hasn't been talked about, and it's totally apropos. I think Brad Stevens is like the Kawhi of coaches, right? Quiet reserved. You have to think about him being there. But Jay, I mean, you cover this league 24-7, 365. We talk about Nick Nurse. He's the coach of the year. We talk about Mike D'Antoni. Maybe tonight his final game as the Rockets head coach. We talk about Mike Budenholzer. We talk about Frank Vogel. Does he have it? We don't ever talk about Brad Stevens and the work that he has done with the Celtics at this point, with this great nucleus minus Hayward, with all the draft picks still there, Quickly, your thoughts on what Brad Stevens has done, getting absolutely no shine here. Well, I mean, think about what Brad Stevens has gone through the last couple of years. I mean, he was one of the darlings of the NBA a couple of years ago, and then the Kyrie Irving situation happened. Right. And then you quickly saw it. All right, well, he's great at X's and O's, but the question is around. Can he manage? The, the, yeah, can he manage personalities, strong right. personalities? But that was a Kyrie personality as well, right? Unique. Uh, which is extremely <laughs> unique. Yes, it's a great way to categorize it. Right. So then you remove Kyrie from the situation. You insert Kimba. You see the camaraderie, the chemistry. Jason Tatum has exploded. Kimba actually gives a lot more hockey assist. And I will say this because we'll talk about this more today. Marcus Smart just makes winning plays for this team all the time. He made some winning plays from the offensive perspective last night, knocking down threes. But defensively, that grit, that grind, that mentality that he brings every single day, that's a winning mentality. No doubt about it. Five threes in the fourth, plus that defensive presence that he always brings. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Still to come, a Hail Mary from the one-yard line from the nation's first fan. Although, are we going 99 yards in one direction or 36 inches in the other? We'll get to that with our Paul Feinbaum College Football Big Ten Talk on the way. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. 
The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We'll get to the numbers specifically in just one bit on why that is happening, particularly in this conference with Election Day close to 60 days away. Welcome back inside. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. It's a pleasure to go to the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line and welcome in to many the voice of college football, Paul Feinbaum, who's been covering this sport for four decades. Paul is with us, as I mentioned, on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line, brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium gasoline. Paul, first things first, just to recap real quick, President Trump had a, quote, very productive conversation with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren. As you know, the Big Ten right now has their season on pause, but President Trump did, quote, uh, say on Twitter, the talk is now on the one-yard line, which would seem to indicate that they are close to perhaps playing football again. What do you make of all this with the nation's first fan interjecting himself into the situation? Yeah, and Juven, I heard you a minute ago uh, wonder which, which one-yard line that, that was. And, and I think that's a fair question because it's understandable that the President of the United States, uh, as he's heading to Wisconsin for an important visit uh, in, an, in an important time in the election, would, would reach out. He, he's a college football fan. We know that. He's been to, uh, he went to three games last year. But it, it's still... Uh, behooves me to understand how the Big Ten is going to reverse what they what they just got through doing three weeks ago yesterday. They voted 11-3. to 3. These are presidents now. These are not football coaches to shut the season down or postpone it. And while the president is very powerful, uh, I don't think uh, the, the uh, I don't think the chains moved very much yesterday. It was it was it was an exciting day. If you're a Big Ten fan, you're back in the news. You're, you're relevant again while everyone else is starting to play. But 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 Kevin Warren uh, can only listen to the president. Uh, he still has to go back to his his fourteen presidents, and and he has to move. Uh, uh, he has to move about half of those people who who voted against it. And and I don't know what has changed in three weeks other than the Big Ten being eviscerated by the national media and by its own college football fans. Paul, how much pressure does does this put on Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten? Well, he's gone, Keyshawn, from, you know, I mean, a well-liked, well-respected, but virtually unknown human being to, to the flashpoint of college football right now. 
and you know he he has enormous pressure on him, but but I'm still not sure he can move move these presidents, and and ultimately you're talking about uh, I think of, of these eleven presidents, you, you have to move six of them, and they just got through announcing three weeks ago that it wasn't safe. I mean, have, and I, I know you guys haven't forgotten, but they issued this this the study that said that uh, myocarditis, the heart ailment uh, that they discovered in a number of uh, a student athlete who, who had COVID is, is very concerning to them. So I, I don't know how they, they turn it around. And, 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 and by the way, if they do, yes, it does uh, give Kevin Warren a victory. And it, but, but, again, but most important, I think it gives uh, president Trump a victory that, that he would use. And quite frankly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him. If he got, if he got college football back and running in three or four weeks, in, in the Big Ten, uh, it would certainly change votes, I think, in Pennsylvania and Ohio and, and, and Michigan and Wisconsin and Iowa. Those are all four, uh, four or five critically, critical battleground states. Uh, you, know, you can't keep politics out of this, but, but you have to look at the, real, the reality of it. But, but if, if you're asking me, did anything really happen yesterday? No, I don't think it did. I think we're still back to where we were yesterday morning. What, what are the chances that we see football before Thanksgiving? In the big, in the big, in I think big it's team. unlikely. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, some of the schools, some of the uh, some of the schools have already sent their their, their football players home. So uh, you start looking at a realistic calendar. You'd have to get back pretty quickly to get this thing going in October. Uh, it's possible by Thanksgiving, but but let me ask you guys this: If you start football on Thanksgiving, other than satisfying ESPN and Fox, those are your two television partners. And, and by the way, that's those are pretty important television partners. <laughs> What, what did you accomplish? You're not you're not part of the college football playoff. That's going to be held in on January first, and 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 then the second week, second Monday night in, in January. Uh, you're you're basically playing a. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not not quite JV what Nick Saban said a few weeks ago, but but somewhere uh, akin to a a spring football league that that quite frankly is going to be on the second stage. Uh, you're you're going to be. About halfway through your season, by the when the, when the rest of the college football world is crowning a champion. Great point, Paul. Uh, Paul Feinbaum joining us on the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin show. Paul, you, you mentioned Nick Saban. Um, how significant of a moment was it the other day watching Nick Saban leading his players in the Black Lives March uh, across the Alabama's campus? Yeah, I, I thought it was it was an incredibly important and seminal moment in in in, in Alabama and, and maybe in college football history. And I say that as someone, as, as all three of you know, lived uh, has lived most of my life in Alabama. And to, to get to Alabama when I did, um, and and still still not that distant from the absolute uh, horrific '60s. Uh, where where the governor of the state of Alabama, George Wallace, in, in 1963, literally stood in the in the door at Foster Auditorium, trying to block the first black student at that campus. It, it was a showdown that uh, lives in history, and the idea that the head football coach at that school uh, would lead a march, uh, I, I thought was just fantastic. And yeah, yes, yeah, so on, on the program that I do, which. Uh, is heavily uh, populated in, in in Alabama and other southern states. There there was some criticism of Nick Saban yesterday, which I, I, I couldn't help but keep a straight. I mean, it was hard to keep a straight face to listen to Alabama fans criticize Nick Saban 
over over something that he did that I quite frankly think is one of the most uh, commendable things that he's done. But what what I think is really important, not only does does did he embrace his players, but he sent a message to those remaining Alabama or SEC or college football fans out there that this is this is this is 2020 and things have changed. Yeah, that is correct. Let me ask you this question, Paul. And I'm still in this question, basically from Jay Will. Why, why is it okay now for politics to be a part of sports when, you know, we've heard so many times, so often, stick to sports, stick to sports, stick. Now all of a sudden, it's becoming a political situation. Why is that okay now? Well, it. You know, I I understand. Uh, and again, you. you <laughs> At the at the risk of getting in trouble here, you might want to run down the, the hallway and ask ask one of our bosses this question. But um, I, I I think a lot of people don't want to mix the two, but you you, you can't avoid mixing the two now when when you have uh, the former president uh, Barack Obama intervening with the NBA to try to get them back last week. You have the current president uh, not only calling it Ogeron two weeks ago and Trevor Lawrence. But calling the, the Big Ten commissioner, he, it, it, there there are no there are no lines, and and I think people who say stick to sports uh, are, are just simply not not aware of, of the times that we live in. You can't have a conversation about the biggest story of all of our lifetimes, which is this pandemic, without it being politicized. So I, I mean, I understand. Uh, I think it's wrong to to get on a show like this and openly campaign for a political. Uh, candidate uh but you but if you're talking about college football if you're talking about covid you're 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 allowing politics to enter into it because your audience is thinking about these things in terms of political ideology it's a fair point it's a fair point and a delicate balance that we all have to handle you can hear more from paul every weekday afternoon from three eastern to seven eastern on the sec network or streaming live anywhere you go with the espn radio app paul really appreciate the perspective this morning Zubin, it's always my pleasure. Talk soon, guys. All right, but All right, buddy. Just a reminder, Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Mako. Mako's ready to fix those dents, repair that collision damage, spray on a fresh coat of paint with online estimates, contactless service, and their best price guarantee. Come to Mako, roll out refreshed. Go to Mako.com to get started and find a shop near you. Uh-oh, better get Mako. I want to give you guys a couple of numbers with regards to context when we're talking about the Big Ten, Kevin Warren, and President Trump and why this goes beyond football. It's more of a political football discussion. I know that's a cliche used in politics all the time. So the four most important states in this election and the four most important states in the 2016 election between Hillary Rodham Clinton and then-candidate Trump were Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Florida. All of them were won by razor-thin margins by President Trump. Let's just put aside Florida, because obviously that's the SEC. We're talking Big Ten country. The state of Michigan has Michigan State and the University of Michigan. President Trump won the state by 0.2%. Pennsylvania, home of Penn State, 100,000 fans, the whiteout, incredible passion. He won Pennsylvania by 0.7%. Wisconsin, jump around, fourth quarter, Madtown, incredible college environment. He won Wisconsin by 0.8%. He won all three of those states, gentlemen, all three. And as you know, many people know, 
Uh, the Electoral College is a zero-sum game, meaning essentially if you win the state by one vote or one million votes, you get all of the electoral votes. Those three states were won by President Trump combined by 79,646 people. Think about that. We're in a country of 335 million people. I know everybody's not eligible to vote age-wise, etc. But he won those three states by 79,646 votes combined. And those states gave him 46 electoral votes for one issue of context. Just think about this. If Hillary Rodham Clinton had done one percentage point better, just one percentage point better in those three states, she would be the president of the United States. So that is how important Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, three states with four Big Ten institutions are, Jay. I feel like we should do multiple segments on this, and I know we're we're um, walking a balance beam because it's a very delicate conversation. Sure. Uh, but I will I will kick this off by saying this: I am taking emotion out of this conversation. I am looking at this objectively from where I was before my conversation about college football to where I am now. So two things can be true at the same time. Okay, it it's obvious that the president is there benefits him to use this narrative in those swing states to get college football back to a degree, all right? That is true, yes. Is the president wrong by saying that we should be playing college football in the Big Ten? No, I, I, I don't believe he's wrong. I, I, I actually think that we should be playing college football in the Big Ten. We have Ohio State, uh, we have Ohio high school football being played in, in Ohio, all right? Uh, we have... NFL teams are playing. Two of them. Other leagues are playing. SEC, ACC, Big Twelve is gearing up to play. Um, I, I two things can be true that, and I know that's going to inflame people about it because it fits an agenda. But I also will pose to you this: it almost seems as if it's a win-win scenario for the president of the United States. If you come back and you play, which I do believe that the Big Ten should play, then he gets a win. If you don't come back and play and then other leagues are able to play and continue to play, then that fits the narrative as well in his favor, because then he's going to say, well, look, I told you you should come back and play. So it's just it's the way you have to look at it. I'm once again taking emotion out of it. I know Key believes that the Big Ten shouldn't play as long with the Pac-12. But if you're watching the way the momentum's going, even though we're having some flares up in states, you know, baseball, you're having some flares up, you shut some teams down. You keep everything else going in Major League Baseball, right? Uh, we're having this with other sports. It just seems like this is the direction we're going. I, you know, you, you it's said a tough it, conversation. You, you, I'm not you, saying it's easy. You said it for me. I don't believe that they should be playing at and all. That's, that's just me. Until they find out what it is that they're looking for medically, you 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 hear Kevin Warren, you hear the Big Ten as a whole. They don't know what it is from a medical standpoint. They don't have enough information. So trying to put people out on the football field for political gain, I mean, that's that's not cool. I understand high school football is playing. I get it. I understand the pros but are playing. But, Key, you know everything is done for political gain to a degree, right? It's like yeah, trying to I, win. I understand. I mean, on both sides, right? I, I the same way but I'm, there's I'm, legislation and things being asked on the NBA side. I, I'm just playing devil's advocate I, here, looking at it neutrally down the center, right? Like both sides, and, and Paul – Feinbaum alluded to this, you know, people don't want politics and sports until it's convenient that they want politics and sports. And 
I'm not saying good or bad for whatever reason, but you know, you had CP3 and LeBron James on the phone with Barack Obama talking about how to change legislation and getting more activities to vote and things of that sort. And I like those conversations. And then on the other hand, you have President Donald Trump who's on the phone with Kevin Warren, you know, trying to do what's best for their agenda. But, but here, here's what I would say. President Obama's not trying to do anything to get people back on the court for political gain. He's already been the president of the United States. I understand. So I, let's let's stop there. If you're talking about health, I'm talking about health. I'm not talking about whether they should be playing or not. I don't think the ACC, SEC, or the Big 12 should be playing because it's health, right? It's like one of the reasons that you moved from the area that you live in to where the area you live in now, Jay, is because you're concerned for your family yes. because of health. And so when I look at it, the, that you're trying to put this undue pressure on a situation for whatever reasons to gain votes or not gain votes, it's just not but, the way to go. Okay, you know that's where it gets murky, right, huh? brother, though, because there's no consensus on the health reports. What if it's right? a simple Like there's no consensus between the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12. Like there's no consensus, and that's the problem. Well, the consensus ultimately. right now is with Kevin Warren, and it's an 11-3 vote for the presidents of those universities as to not playing. Right. And so there you go. The, the man has yeah. already said we're not playing. So leave it at that. But Stop trying to get out there to force his hand. And if he doesn't uh, pass it and they don't pass the, the vote, now all of a sudden, CCC, look, look, look. And if it happens, now it's like I I got this to happen. But it's just not. And I don't not, want kids to be teenagers to be put in the position long term. We don't know. It's like us sitting here. You know, yeah, we, we're six feet apart, or think I think we're a little bit longer, a little larger, but we don't know what the heck is, could happen to us. But that's the chance that we take as grown men that have gotten into our 40s. These are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. But, Key, this is, this is a personal preference. Number one, Donald Trump isn't the only person trying to get Kevin Warren to come back and play. You have thousands of, of students, I, 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 thousands I, of players, I, I, I and fans that. that want the same thing, too. I also would say... But the conversation is about what's happening in those swing states. I, I hear you. But this is also a, a personal preference too, right? So we keep saying young kids. I understand that. But also, look, these are young adults. At 18, you can go fight in wars. I understand. You can go fight in wars. Okay? So you're also saying a personal preference. Yes, for me, I, I, I moved from Brooklyn to Connecticut. Well, I didn't want to tell people It's okay. Live. It's all right. But because my, <laughs> my daughter is immune suppressive. My mom's immune suppressive. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, they immunocompromised easily. So I'm worried about my family to that degree. But I, I can't sit up here on national TV and radio and tell somebody who maybe doesn't have any pre-existing conditions that maybe they shouldn't play. I, I understand that there are health consequences, potentially, because we don't have all the data points. But also that has to be a personal preference. And but that's where it gets not, difficult. But you're not telling them not to play. I'm not telling them not to play. I'm just giving my opinion, which is I don't think they should play. Now, if yeah. they go out there and they play – so be it. I said the ACC shouldn't play, and they're getting ready to kick off here in a week. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And so, what, you know, what are you going to do? Alabama's getting ready to play. They're trying to play. Right. They're literally trying to take the field and kick the football off. Right. USC backed out of that game. Your Trojans, like, anybody want in? They are actively looking to That's do what whatever I said, we're they navigating can. murky water here.
It's, it's extremely murky, and it's challenging for everybody to navigate. Real quick for you guys, Keyshawn J. Wills, you've been presented by Progressive Insurance. You know, look, they played a game last Saturday on ESPN between Austin P and Central Arkansas, a lot of the, the critics of shutting it down will say, look, they got through it. It's just one game. Real quick, though, when the president gets involved in anything, whether it's sports or news or Sensationalized, anything. Sensationalized, politicized, yes. Right, but at the same token, there's an inordinate amount of pressure that is put on any subject when any president, whether it's Barack Obama or Donald Trump or George Bush or Ronald Reagan, were to weigh in. Will this quickly, will this change anything? His insertion into the matter, will it change anything? Personally, for him, I don't think he cares whether it does or not. (laughs) Like I said, I think it's a win-win for him. Will this put more pressure on Kevin Warren from a national perspective? That's the real question. Yes. I mean, to a degree, yes, but he. it also, you need all the president's of these universities to vote, but it does put individual pressure on the presidents of universities. Yes, it does. It, I, I think it's, I, I think it puts a lot of pressure on the presidents of much like he said of the universities, but major pressure on Kevin Warren Huge. because he's going to, if it does not happen, people are going to look at him like, get him out of there. He he's ruined the big 12. I mean, the big 10, especially with these other conferences moving forward in a power five structure he's had a lot to deal with he just took the job in january he's the first minority to ever lead a power five conference it's he had to deal with position to be in march madness took over during the coronavirus <laughs> and was the first guy to go conference only first guy to postpone he's had a lot on his plate still to come is the best team in the nba's eastern conference the third seed jay and key weighing on that next we're on espn radio and sirius xm channel 80 Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com.